I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined as ever by Steve Anglesey. Hello. I would like to make it clear that I've done. Me and my researchers have done loads of research for this podcast. Excellent. We've done it on it's on the impacts of Brexit, and I'm going to. I will share all of that research with you in a minute. Fantastic. That's good news. Did you borrow any civil servants to do it? I've I've used some. Um, we. I'm con- look. I'm continuing to analyse the implications of this, and I can tell you that all of the work that I've done on it is in excruciating detail. Excruciating. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's something to keep the listener tuned in. Do you know what? Actually, yeah, I've not, I've not actually done any preparation for this podcast at all. Oh, well, that makes and, two of us. And I don't think I ever said I would do any preparation <laughs> for it. I'm actually not a fan of preparing for this podcast. No. Well, that's clear. Yes. From the fifty odd other ones we've done. That's true. But maybe going forward, you might think about doing some preparation. Well, I don't know. It tends to be quite gloomy, doesn't it? So. Yeah, anyway. All right, well, we'll get to the news. Then I'm going to speak to Jerry about Labour. Remember them? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Nice man with a beard. That's right, yeah. that fella. Like Father Christmas. A little bit, yeah. And then we'll crown our Brexiteer of the Week. But first, Steve, I think you were alluding to David Davis there. Yeah, like a schoolboy who not only hasn't done the homework, but insists that the homework was never set in the first place. Remarkable. <laughs> Even though there's lots of evidence. Um, Has he misled Parliament? Well, I think he has. But the the important thing is that the ten Conservatives and the one DUP member of the Brexit uh, committee said that he didn't. So so now Chukaramuna is uh, is trying to raise this with with, uh, the Speaker of the House of Commons and we'll see what comes out of it. But I must say that... I mean, it was a totally shameless performance in the Cabinet Committee, wasn't it? It certainly was, yeah. Um, and so here we are. On the 6th of December, David Davis said, the use of a single word over the course of two years does not tell you that impact assessments exist. It just says that I've used the word impact. That doesn't say that impact ex- assessments exist. I have not said that, not ever. Okay, so on the 25th of October, Seema Malhotra asked him, has the Prime Minister seen the impact assessments, yes or no? Which ones? Seema Malhotra, the impact assessments which you have not published. 
David Davis did not reply, there aren't any impact assessments, I never said that. He replied, she knows the summary of them, she hasn't read every single one, but they are in excruciating detail. Mm. That seems to me to be fairly... At no point did he say, there aren't any impact assessments, they don't exist. He he went along with it. Do you know what, though? The most shocking thing about this is, is not actually, for me, David Davis's performance, because we've probably become used to um, such nonsense from him. But the fact that they just simply haven't been done. I mean, surely someone, somewhere, should, has been going, Mr Davis, do you reckon we should get started on these impact assessments? Yeah. They do them for all kinds of other stuff. They do. They do impact assessments on whether they should order another hundred bloody paper clips, most possibly, but they're not doing it on this. Do you think it's because they might know the answer that would be contained in the impact assessments? As in, this is a nightmare. Like the put-upon wife who doesn't ask where you've been. Completely. Well, it's a fascinating insight into your own <laughs> home life, but yes. But I think that... I, I do think that. And, I, and what I think from this whole week, and it's not over yet... I mean, the government could have fallen by the time you're, you're listening to this. And, and your marriage could have fallen <laughs> oh, yes. by the time you're listening to this. But the most extraordinary thing is that Boris Johnson, David Davis, Michael Gove, Jacob Rees-Mogg, all of these people are pressing us to move on to the next stage with, without... We haven't really decided what any of this looks like. And we now we know that we haven't looked at what the implications of this are. We are setting off on a journey to God knows where without a map. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's I, press on. And we've punctured our own tyres. We have. Yes. So it is remarkable. And the, the other remarkable thing is what, I mean, what job do you get when you've shamelessly, in my view, misled Parliament you failed to get a deal done and your boss has had to intervene and you are now a national laughingstock. And the answer for David Davis, as we found out from The Sun on, on Thursday morning, is that you try to become Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah. Because Tom Newton Dunn, yeah. who is becoming the Commissioner Gordon of the Suicide <laughs> Squad of Mad Brexiteers, so if you've got anything insane to say, you put up the bat signal and Tom Newton Dunn appears with his dictaphone and his notebook. He, he has reported, yes, that David Davis's allies are, are, are launching a bid for David Davis to become the Prime Minister, and it's led by Andrew Mitchell, the policeman's pal. Yes, we, we've um, we we talked about this before. Um, of course, that David Davis very much thinks that if Theresa May were to were to be toppled, he'd be the man for the job because he thinks that the prime minister should be should David be leading. <laughs> yeah, but should be leading. He can't see the difference between the prime minister and the, That's and right. the Brexit secretary. So he thinks it would make perfect sense. So they had a party. I don't know what sort of party. I expect... Are we talking about the Conservative Party? No, it oh. was a, a party within a party. So they had a soiree. Andrew Mitchell and David Davis had a soiree, and they invited people like Tom Tugendhat, yes. whose name I always love to say. Yes. James Cleverly came. Gillian Keegan came. All sort of, you know, maybe their future party leaders. <clears throat> and um, and one a key ally of Mr Davis... As writes, uh, writes Tom Newton Don at this party told one of the younger Tory MPs Theresa has the smell of death around her Ooh. she'll be gone by Christmas it's time to rally around DD and it went down really well 
um, because somebody who attended the drinks told Tom Newton Dunn, it was all very cloak and dagger. I wasn't impressed by any of it. We all just wondered what we were doing there. Mm. So, uh, just to bring you up on that point about Theresa May, though, I mean that is her new fragrance that she smells of death by Yardley. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's going well. It feels like the end times, though, doesn't it? Well, I'm not sure. I know you very much of that thinking. I think that the EU are going to give... Are going to prop her up yeah, again. I think it makes perfect sense for them to do that because the last thing they want is Boris or indeed Double D. Yeah. Um, when I say it feels like the end times, it feels... I don't mean necessarily this week. No. It feels like a matter of weeks or months. Well, I mean, on, on we'll get to the DUP, but when all that kicked off, I think... It would, be, it, you know, I, I I was talking about a spring election, and I wouldn't be massively yeah. um, shocked if that was to happen. However, uh, you know, when the dust settled on that a little bit, I think that I think that the the EU don't want that. Theresa May obviously doesn't want that. And actually, even if there's a new leader, would they want that? I, I think I think probably we are going to stumble on until after Brexit before we've got a general election. Hmm. But a leadership election. Maybe, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. Probably yeah. going to be yeah, a new the next prime six minister, yeah. yeah. And it just, you know, it's. I mean, it's funny. It's the week that you know Christine Keeler has died, and it was a long time between the Profumo affair happening. Richard is, is for the benefit of the <laughs> listeners at home. Richard has turned his chair around and is now sitting coquettishly. And Christine Keeler esque on the uh, across the back of his chair. Thankfully, he's kept all his clothes on, listeners. But you know, the the the, the Profumo affair started, or or it kind of leaked out. This is beautiful. I'm going to take a photo of it while we're doing this, and you can see it at home. Oh, he's he's a handsome man. Um, it started. It, it kind of leaked out in in February, uh, February and March of uh, of 1963, and then Harold Macmillan didn't actually go until the October of 1963. And it feels like, you know, it feels like there is the stench of death by Ardley yes. around yes. Theresa May. It does rather. So another bad week, but it's for Theresa May. But it seemed to start off quite nicely. We woke up to. To sunshine and and the smell of roses on Monday yeah. morning, not death, not the stench of death. Off no. she went, skipping probably out of number yeah. ten into a into a prime ministerial car and on her way to Brussels, ready for a boozy lunch with Junker. And it was going to be celebratory because she had thumbs up yeah. from all all the people she needed it from, and she was expecting to get similar from Mister Junker, and she did until her phone started ringing. And then she thought, "Is it Philip? Yeah. What's it? What's it going to be? Where are we going tonight, girl? Let's go out and get on it in yeah. Soho. Just get right on it on the lash. Right. She'd be on the plane. She'd be pre-drinking on the plane. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, build up a head of steam because yeah. we're on it tonight. It's a big one tonight, Phil. And then who was it instead? <laughs> Arlene Foster. Oh no! Noi, 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 <laughs> noi! Indeed, and. Well, what a balls up. <laughs> Just I mean, a bit. I mean, supposedly they'd seen the draft proposals and you would imagine if they'd seen them, they would have... Well, there's two There's conspiracy theories um, abound here, isn't yes. there? Because did, did they see them and think, we're going to wait until she's 
tucking into a suit before we yeah, yeah, uh, before we pounce before we kibosh this or um, were the were the draft statements a little bit elusive a little bit different yeah. yeah but begs the question why hadn't they seen them sometime before or did they or did they go fair enough but when they saw the uh, the Irish, uh, yeah. the 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 uh, the, 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 the Republic of Ireland uh, politicians starting to dance about. They yeah. went, "Hang on a minute, this doesn't look too good for us." Yeah. Meanwhile, um, we're digging in, aren't we? We're digging in. The DUP are digging in. Oh, digging in. They have said. They told. Uh, I think it was Tom Newton done this. This. This, this, busy, this is it? a great quote. They said. Told. They said to him. Somebody from the DUP said to him, "This is a battle of who blinks first, and we've cut off our eyelids." <laughs> and uh, now that is clearly meant to be metaphoric, isn't it? But if any politicians in the UK were going to cut off their oh. eyelids, it would be. Wow. In pursuit of being hard, it would be the DUP. Oh, definitely. They also, the other great quote of the week, which was in Politico, said somebody who was party to all of this, uh, from the government side, I believe, the UK government side, said the DUP's attitude to negotiating is like the famous scene in All the President. Have you seen All the Presidents? Oh, yes. Favorite yeah, film. yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. And there's a great scene in it when uh, the Watergate burglars have been arrested. G. Gordon Liddy... Who um, what is is a kind of a was a right wing fanatic and he was part of the President Nixon's dirty tricks troop. He was arrested as part of the Watergate one of the Watergate burglars. And Robert Redford says, well, "Do you think there's any chance that Liddy will talk either to us or to you know the prosecutors about Nixon's role in this?" And and somebody says, uh, "Well, I was at a party once and Liddy put his hand over a candle and he kept it there and he kept it right in the flame." until his flesh was burned and someone said what's the trick to doing that and Liddy said the trick is not minding mm. and that is what the DUP are supposed to be like so good luck Teresa yeah well I mean she she made her bed and now she's having to lie in it isn't she she's um, yeah she is it seems extraordinary that Arlene Foster can be so powerful not even a member of parliament yeah it's amazing can be so it? powerful in this process but that is where we are. Do you know what I like about Arlene Foster? Is it when the moonlight shines <laughs> on her buttocks? No, it's she signs her. She's she's one of and Hillary Clinton used to do this, um, and probably still does. When so, so sometimes tweets go out from her account, and it's not by Arlene Foster; it's yeah. by one of her team. Yeah, yeah. And Hillary Clinton used to do this, and she used to sign when she tweeted. She would, and it was her. She would sign her tweets are uh, HRC, yeah, not HRT which no. is another issue, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Anyway, Arlene Foster does this now, and she signs the tweet she's actually written with AF, which, as kids who are on social media and use texting know, stands for as f***. So Arlene Foster tweets out things like, I've been supporting the volunteers of the Lakes Church in Enniskillen, they are dedicating their time preparing food hampers for families who will be struggling this winter. Thank you, as f***. And then last week, her, one of her team tweeted her congratulations on the royal engagement, but she said well done to Meghan Markle and Prince William. Yes. And so that was quite embarrassing for yes. Arlene. Yes. So she had, Unless she knows something we don't. <laughs> so, exactly. So she then, re- she then said... Uh, she then tweeted, Arlene herself, then tweeted apologies 
to their Royal Highnesses Princes William, Princes William and Harry for a tweet error on my account earlier. I stopped tweeting personally a long time ago. Genuine typo by a member of staff. There goes any chance of an invite as fuck. <laughs> so it's not really working for her, is it? Oh. Maybe someone should tell her. Brilliant. Um, going back to Theresa May, does she have any friends left? <laughs> no. She literally doesn't, does she? No. Well, I think she does, but but let's look at the people who aren't her friends. She, not a week goes by now without a letter signed by numerous MPs yep. who either want a harder Brexit, yep. a softer Brexit, yep. no Brexit, or two of her cabinet colleagues yes, exactly. write a letter which somehow makes it into the press on their red lines. Yeah, yeah. The only friends she's got right now, I think, are in Brussels. Well, there's Damien Green, so that's fine. There's no... No shadow there, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but he's always so busy at his computer. <laughs> he's working all he's the time, always isn't he? So busy. Is his little fingers pounding away? Yes, on his yes. keyboard. Yes, I, I, I think that um, you know, but, but obviously Boris and Gove are, are desperate to pounce. There's, uh, I, 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 I was speaking while the DUP were standing up. I was speaking to someone fairly close to that pair, and I said, um, "I'll read it straight off my phone." Time for, oh might be time for your boys to pounce, I said. Yeah. And the reply came back, quite. Quite. So let's not kid ourselves that she has got any friends. No. In uh, she's Billy No Mates, isn't she? She really is. Um, so we had Gove and Boris in cabinet on Tuesday. Boris yeah. openly moaning about yeah. aligning with the EU. Yeah. And then we've had nineteen softer Tories writing to May, Nicky Morgan. Softer Tory, not in a tactile way, I imagine, but um, or in a fight. Uh, she was. They were warning May about these Brexiteer red lines, and we've had Rhys Mogg, the ludicrous, sepulchral figure of Jacob Rhys Mogg, coming out of his coffin to say that the red lines need repainting. And all of this summed up brilliantly by Paul Dreschler, the CBI president. Uh, he made a speech to the City of London Corporation on Wednesday. He said uh, Brexit was a very serious issue and he uh, said about Theresa May, what's her team doing popping up like whack-a-mole? And he said that almost every day, quotes, some clown pops up with a new opinion. Yeah. And that is absolutely... She's got absolutely no control of the cabinet and she hasn't for months and months and months. And never in, certainly in my lifetime, but I think we'd have to go back a very long way to find such a rabble... (laughs) <laughs> at the very top of our government. It's an extraordinary thing. I don't feel sorry for Theresa May because it's her own fault. She shouldn't yes. have called a stupid election. She should have She should have been clearer on what Brexit meant to her and should have meant for all of us from the moment she took office in the, in, instead of being allowed to be swayed by, by the right-wingers. Um, so she's only got herself to blame. But, you know, she's had to intervene. She had to intervene in the Florence speech. Yep. She's had to intervene afterwards. David Davis is completely incompetent with regards to this. Uh, you know, I hear that the negotiators don't like him either. He's not not yep. a particularly likable figure. No. He'd much prefer to deal with someone else, and Juncker clearly would prefer to deal with Theresa May. But she can't actually do anything because she's got no power. So when she tries to make what sounded like reasonably sensible for, for the parameters she's working in, a reasonably sensible suggestion uh, at the beginning of the week, it's knocked down by more nutters. Mm. Marvellous, isn't it? Welcome to Brexit. Welcome to Brexit. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European.
Your first 13 issues of the New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting podcast one, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to the New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry, and we're asking the question where have Labour gone? Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure if they were ever really in the room with Brexit, were they? Um, but it seemed strange. There's been a number of occasions this week where they've had opportunities to to really go after the government, like Tony Blair used to do in yeah. the major years. And they don't seem to have done it. Jerry, what do you think? The way I see it is Jeremy Corbyn is faced with this divided country. Um well, it is a divided country, and he's got divisions within his own party, as we know, and we've discussed before. Um, so he's avoided taking a, you know, certain line on Brexit, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, it's been back and forth, back and forth. Um, the New Statesman this week said that Labour had had more positions than the Kama Sutra on Brexit, which <laughs> I thought was funny. Um, there, was some th- there was something I saw somewhere as well, outlining all the different positions of all the front <laughs> bench as well, and, and, and it is remarkable. It's all over the place. Um and this week, uh, Keir Starmer revealed potentially yet another, didn't he, on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, during Tuesday's urgent questions to David Davis, he asked, will the Prime Minister now rethink her reckless red lines and put options such as the customs union and single market back on the table for negotiations? I hope, and I actually believe, that Keir might be actually above a little bit of the problem mm-hmm. here. Because I think he's a good politician and I think he's got the potential to yeah. be an excellent politician and maybe even save the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's having to swim against it. A, an awfully strong tide. Yeah. And I, I think what he has... The one thing that he has said, don't take things off the table. Yes. And that seems to make perfect sense um, in a negotiation to me. It does, it does. You know, you know, a lot of people have said that Labour ruled out staying in the customs unit in the single market um, in their 2017 manifesto. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily true. They didn't rule it out completely. They promised a strong emphasis on retaining the benefits of the single market and the customs union. Yeah. That's not either ruling it out or ruling it in, is it? Um, it's one of those perfectly ambiguous answers which leaves you not quite sure which side of the fence they're going to fall, which worked really well at the election. Yeah, well... It I won mean, them votes. I think, yes. Yes, it, I think... Well, oh, I'm not sure. I think, I think that... They should have been braver right then. Yes. Because all those people in that field in Glastonbury don't want to leave the EU. No. And um, I think if, they, but I think they won their votes anyway mm-hmm. because people wanted to give Theresa May a kick up the backside. Absolutely. They did. And you know, it seems a long time ago. It's many moons ago now that snap election, isn't it? And since then, they've supported remaining in both for a two-year transition period. But what's happened since is as negotiations have progressed. Corbyn's just kind of sat back and watched everything burn. Corbyn is not interested in Brexit. No. Doesn't do it for him. John McDonnell wants to leave the EU. Mm-hmm. Keir Starmer is a Remainer. Absolutely. But in it's, it's in what you're in it's the same as what you're saying in that because he hasn't said a thing, they haven't committed to anything, but like you say, they also haven't ruled anything out. Yeah. Everything yeah. is on the table. Yeah. Um hard Brexit, soft Brexit, or even no Brexit. None of those have Fried been... Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Continental Brexit. A light Brexit. <laughs> um, but 
soon I think they're gonna have to they're gonna have to take a stance aren't they Andrew Neil gave um Andy McDonald a bit of a grilling over their decisiveness and even Tony Blair you mentioned him a minute ago has got involved he said there's a void at the heart of Labour's Brexit strategy there certainly is a void at the heart um but yeah this is all driven by this need to placate like a contradictory voter base but also contradictions in the party isn't it um actually it's a massive feeling on the part of Labour to not be out there in those heartland working class Labour mm-hmm. areas especially in the north of England and the north east telling them why Brexit is a bad uh, is going to be bad for them you know Labour should really be putting more effort into doing that and they're not and, yeah. they're, and they're doing a disservice for the people who actually have, have voted for the party for years and propped it up for a very long time and they, and they, I, I really hope it doesn't come back to bite those people on the backside but I fear it will and you know the reason I think that's not being picked up is because more than often more often than not, when we speak about Brexit as journalists, as the media, but also us here in this room as well, we speak a lot about the Tories. We, yeah. you know, obviously because they're in government, but we shouldn't because it's letting Labour off the hook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And the Tories are such a shower that we focus on them. Yeah. But, and, and, and since the election, Labour have got it a bit more together because no. Corbyn has become more powerful, but they're still not getting Brexit right. Absolutely not. And... You know, it should have been easy for them this week, not just this week, but this week to put the boot in to have a go. Yeah. And what was it on Tuesday that they didn't they didn't put anyone out there? I just can't believe that. It's just extraordinary. No, there was that tweet, wasn't there, from Nick Robinson yeah. saying that they yeah. wouldn't they hadn't put anyone out and it's you know, to not have someone out there hammering the Tories for this, I think is completely mad. Um really but I is. think the reason that potentially Jeremy Corbyn is so reluctant to criticise us because he has no idea what he'd do if he was in the position. I think you're right. I, I did a, um, I did a, a, a talk last night and someone asked me at the end whether I thought Brexit would be more or less likely if Jeremy Corbyn was Prime Minister. Mm. What do you think? Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? I don't think it would be really that much different. Like exactly what I said. I said, I don't think, it's, I don't think you're going to see much change. No. And I also think that potentially, if Corbyn was Prime Minister, he would be powerful enough to get rid of people in the cabinet like Keir Starmer yeah, and get and get a more an even more left wing agenda mm-hmm. in there. And of course, what was what we're seeing, and you know, I think we've we've talked about momentum probably not for a while, but we have talked about momentum on this podcast before. John Landsman is a, is probably going to be elected onto the NEC in January. Um, we're going to then see Momentum's first elected official. He wants, um, internally elected obviously, he wants uh, all London's council seats to be up for reselection, mm-hmm. which will mean a massive influx of, of real hard lefties. And, um, you know, you, you've got to admire the organisation of Momentum. Yeah, there's a lot of power behind that, isn't there? An Absolutely. Awful lot of power. But I think it. You know, there's a death knell sounding for for centrist parties mm-hmm. in this in, in this country, and I think Labour will be a long time to the left if uh, if we start seeing um, people like John and and his ilk from Momentum taking up council seats and then starting to get into Parliament. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what should we do? Go to the pub. Okay. All right. Brexiteer of the week, Steve. Tell me who the Brexiteer of the week is. Whoa. Cool your boots, oh, mister. There's a lot to go through. Oh, right. There's a lot to go through. Let's start with Liam Fox. Yeah. 
the International Trade Secretary. He delivered a hint of the amazing deals which will come post-Brexit when he went to... Where did he go to, do you think? Australia, America, China, bassoon shop in Newport. <laughs> Second-hand bassoon shop in Newport yes, is the correct great answer. Picture, great picture. He was obviously keen to meet some other very expensive wind instruments. Uh, he visited a firm called Double Reed... And he, uh, they say, tweeted that Liam Fox had visited them and discussed new innovations and the international bassoon market. Listen, it's great. I'm all for bassoons. And yeah. I'm a fan of... I'm a supporter of Double Reed. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. always been a big fan of that shop. One of my favourites when it comes to buying bassoons. Well, yeah. Um, if you want to sponsor the pod, then There's get no in touch. There's no fan of bassoon, <laughs> second-hand bassoon emporium in but, Newport. But, but really... Should you be concentrating? I'm sure there's bigger markets. Yes. Can't be the largest market. I know. So I'm just wondering how those discussions will have gone, what they discussed. And I imagine it would have been Liam Fox would have said, Tell me, are these new innovations in the international bassoon market going to provide enough cash to dig us out of this oh, enormous surely. hole? Yeah, you would have thought so. And the bassoon shop would have said, Well, not really, no. Oh. And then he would have gone home. Anyway, let's talk about Bob Spink next. <laughs> he is a former UKIP MP. He's UKIP's first MP, I think. And he is now facing sentencing in the new year. He was found guilty of tricking elderly and infirm voters into signing election nominations for local UKIP candidates. So that Crown Court told that the constituents had put their signatures on forms believing that they were just simply petitions. Now, Bob Spink has been an enthusiastic advocate of capital punishment presumably not for electoral fraud. No. And he caused a storm in 2006 when he seemed to tell a constituent that, in his view, the majority of criminals are black. So it's nice to see the white Bob Spink bucking that trend. It is. Um, we'll move on to Robin Walker now, Brexit minister. He channelled Yes Minister when he was asked to explain uh, in Parliament why the government had redacted and edited several of the uh, Brexit well, they used to be called impact papers. <laughs> they now, did, didn't they? Yeah, now they're just anymore. called discussion papers. He told Parliament, we haven't edited or redacted the reports. We've just collated information in a way that doesn't include some material. So, fantastic there. Um, oh, I've got to tell you, the other night, I went to the pub and I, I ran into that Dalek again. And luckily ah. enough, there'd been a new Leo McKinstry column. Well, in you know, the, it's funny because I went into that pub. Yeah. I wondered if you'd be in there and you weren't in there. No. But, and the Dalek wasn't either. It's funny, isn't it? Well, maybe you just... see only going you know. on between you two. So, anyway, so the, luckily enough, a copy of the Daily... I found a copy of the Daily Express in the toilet where it had been that, used. I, I'd for, left it there. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was reading Leo McKinstry's piece and, and I said, it seems a bit sinister to me the way he's written this. Mm. If you read it out in your voice... Do you think it would? How do you think it would sound? And the Dalek said he thought that it would sound like this. As they peddle their narrative of doom, the Ramonas continue to denigrate Brexit with almost feverish relish. Eager to wreck the process, they turn every problem into a crisis and portray every obstacle as insurmountable. The Ramonas wedded self-righteously both to their ideology of diversity and their snobbish content for the British working class have clung desperately to the theory that Britain is dependent on undiluted mass immigration. This is just emotive, manipulative deceit, a treacherous insult to our national character. Obey, obey, you will obey, darling Leo, or you will be exterminated. And then he just sort of wheeled around and he's... Yeah. 
gun stick was firing off in the oh, really? you know in all directions and it became quite we got actually got thrown out got so barred yeah we got barred oh. anyway the brexiteer of the week is is you might not have heard of this bloke Nigel Farage what does he do then he's a fucking idiot i can tell you that but he nicotine stained man frog Nigel Farage he uh, obviously he's he's told Andrew Marr that he's not going to hand back is 73 grand a year EU pension despite hating the EU hates them Uh, and he said why should my family suffer and to be fair they have suffered enough being they have you know what really got my goat with Nigel Farage this week was he told the Telegraph that no one outside London was worried about Brexit he said you may find queasiness in London you might find it in Canary Wharf you might find it in sections of the liberal media and you'll certainly find it in Westminster but when you go out into the broader country is the public queasy about Brexit no they're saying get on with it well it's true and where are we recording this podcast Norwich so so Nigel Farage total f***ing idiot liar and the Brexiteer of the week we asked you the listener to to come up with some Brexit Christmas movies. Yeah, who nothing better getting the family together, maybe on Boxing Day when the excitements. And watching a great, watching a great film. And watching a great, um, yeah, that's right, a great Christmas movie. We had loads and loads of responses to this, but many of them were not actually Christmas movies, and we've done Brexit movies before, so uh, we've so got pay a, attention. We've got a sh- yes, get it right. <laughs> Um, but we've got so we've got a short but but perfectly formed list here. Do you want to start off, Chris Kendall? Yeah. How the Grinch stole Britain. Mm. And uh, also from Chris, Bad Santerre. Ah, uh, Jacques Santerre. There you go. That's good. Yeah. Peter Jordan Turner, Lie Hard. Yes, the greatest Christmas film. And then Metropolitan Liberal. Yeah. Which is an awful name to have been christened, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, Die Hard Border. Die Hard Border, good. That's good. Centrist Dada um, has gone for Jingle Market all the way. Single Market, Jingle all the way and Single right. Market, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. okay, good. Kavita O'Hara, It Was a Wonderful Life. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Sally Medlin said Medlin that did as well. The same yeah. One. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good. Well done. Uh, McFlavor7 said Charles Dickens's A Christmas Peril. David Berman said The Muppets' Christmas Carnage. Uh, Steve Jones, let's go back to the the other one. He said it's a wonderful lie, which is good. Oh, that's good. They should have and, worked together. These and people. Darren Leithley, uh, who is friend of this podcast and always sends these in, he said it's a blunderful lie. Oh, he's nailed it. And he also said the nightmare before, during, and after Christmas. Very good. But my favourite uh, this week. Thank you to Leo Howard, who summed up this week's stasis when he said the greatest Brexit Christmas film is simply Frozen. You can follow me, if you like, if you want to meet a Dalek in a pub. Uh, on Twitter, I am at S Anglesey, which is S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. And you, obviously, you can follow the New European on Twitter, at the New European. And you can follow me, at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. And please like the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us wonderful reviews, loads of stars. It really does, uh, it really does help us. Our podcast audience is growing, growing all the time. It's it's really excellent. So thank you very much, and um, please do what you can. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. The paper's out now. If you haven't already, please do go and buy it, or even better, subscribe. It's got 
tons and tons of stuff. It's not just politics, it's not just Brexit. There is art, there is culture, there is music, there is fashion, there is food. And here is Alistair Campbell to play us out. Take it away. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.